by his grace to you in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as you draw near and worship him. Uh, if you are joining us for last year, we're glad to have you with us as well, though we would love to have you with us. So if you even can make it this morning or for whatever reason you can't make it this week, uh, we'd love to see you and to have fellowship with you and just to see you in person. Uh, I have uh, several things I want to make sure you know before we begin our time this morning. Uh, the first is that next Sunday we are having our uh, church cookout at Elliott Boat Basin in Maine. Uh, so I hope that you can make it to that. It should be a good time and uh, pray for good weather. We had to cancel it the last time because we had poor weather. So I think we're having some, can expect some good weather. So, um, so yeah, that should be a good time. Uh, also, uh, this is, I'm letting you know, this is for, uh, for men. Uh, I'm letting you know way in advance. It's probably about five or six weeks in advance, but just want to make sure you know have this in your mind, you'll probably forget, as I tend to do, but I will make sure to continue to remind you, and that is that uh, tentatively, I mean, the plan is going to happen, but tentatively, either the 28th, 29th, or 30th, which is Thursday, Friday, Saturday of September, planning an Axe and Wings uh, evening. Uh, so uh, the plan is uh, to do some axe throwing, uh, and then followed by uh, going to grab some wings. And so right now, tentatively, probably going to the White Birch Armory um, is the idea. So I will let you know um, pricing, how soon I need to know. But if, you, if that's something that you might be interested in, uh, please do let me know. I will write you, uh, I will put your name down, and uh, I will get you all the details in advance. But just making sure you know ahead of time, that is the plan right now. It is going to happen. It's going to happen on one of those dates, but just not quite sure yet. So we have that going on. Uh, also, I want to quickly just share a, an update uh, regarding uh, Gene Smith. Um, he, uh, Jay did uh, send an email to myself and I think a few others this morning. Uh, Jean is uh, doing a bit better. She slept well last night. Uh, the plan is to continue to keep her. Uh, in the hospital uh, for the remainder of the day and hopefully release our, um, and let her go back home tomorrow. Um, they are going to have some conversations about hospice care, and so I don't need to, to say it, but you know, continue to pray for her, continue to pray for the family as well. Um, and then lastly, um, my desire, as I've communicated before, is to have a time of concentrated prayer for about an hour, at least once a month. And the plan has been uh, to have that time of prayer, 6 to 7, on the last Monday of every month. And so the plan was to have it next Monday. Uh, however, I'm throwing sort of a, calling an audible, throwing sort of a wrench in the system. Uh, but just given a lot of the, the needs that there are right now in the life of the church, uh, praying for several people who just need prayer, uh, people that we know and things that people are going through right now, or people, or things that people in our church have gone through. Um, I just feel a sense of urgency to, to not wait another seven or eight days to pray. So if you are available, going to have a time of prayer here at the church uh, this coming Tuesday uh, from 6 to 7 p.m. I know that some groups meet on Tuesday. My group typically meets, but we have uh, taken a break for the month of August. I know that the patents uh, group uh, uh, meets on Tuesdays as well. There's no pressure uh, to come. Uh, if, you are, uh, if you are in a group, uh, but uh, if you can, if you are able to come on Tuesday here at the church, if you have kids, feel free to bring them. You can have them sit with you, or you can have them play outside as well. We're going to have it in the fellowship hall. 
Uh, again, 6 to 7 uh, this Tuesday. Pray for, for Gene Smith. Pray for, uh, for Karen Merrill. Pray for other people in the church. Pray for any personal needs that you might have as well. And just praying for the church as well. So, again, 6 to 7 uh, this coming Tuesday. So, uh, with all that being said, uh, let us go before the Lord and let us worship Him. Let us rejoice and be glad in our God and the salvation that He has richly provided for us in Christ Jesus. Let us rejoice, celebrate, and even as we draw here near, let us be strengthened in our faith. Let us be encouraged in our faith as well to continue to pursue the Lord and draw near to Him. So let us go before the Lord and let us worship this morning. Amen. Amen, church. Uh, let's stand. Word of God says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving, and let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Amen. Sing together. name let angels prostrate fall bring forth the royal diadem and crown him lord of all bring forth the royal diadem and crown him lord of Yeah. 
Father, you are worthy of our praise. 
together, Lord, as a church, as a body this morning, to worship you, as we did in song, uh, but also in your word, Father. Father, may we understand and, and understand the, the reverence um, the reverence that we should seek, God, when we come before you. And as we behold our God, and as we magnify your name above all names, Father, you are worthy, worthy of our worship. May our hearts, God, be aligned with what we just sang in the words that we sang. Lord, may we believe them. And may we stand firm in awe, humbled, And grateful, God, for the work that you have done in each and every one of us. Opening our eyes to the gospel. Opening our eyes, God, to the salvation that you've placed on us, that you have graciously gifted us. Thank you. You are worthy. And we continue in worship, God. And we be encouraging your word now and in prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, you may be seated. At this time, we'll be dismissing our children to their classrooms as well. I'm going to read to us from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, and then we'll spend some time in prayer. It says there in Zechariah 4, 6, This is the Lord, the word of the Lord, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Why, why do we pray? We pray because oftentimes we need divine assistance. We pray because oftentimes we need the power of omnipotent hands. We pray because sometimes we need the wisdom that comes from above. Here, 
in this passage, the Lord is talking about the building of his temple. He says that his temple will not be built by might or by power, but by his spirit. Right, And as his church, we desire the same thing, that the Lord would continue to build his church, that the Lord would build our church, that the Lord would continue to build the church universal for the glory of his name. But the word says that the Lord will build his temple or his church by his spirit. So why do we pray? And the Lord has determined to build his temple. But that's not the right question to ask. The right question, rather, is why do we get to play any part in it at all? The Lord invites us to pray to that end. The Lord invites us to cast our prayers before the throne of grace. And he intends to use the prayers of his saints to continue to build his church. Let's go before the Lord and let us pray. Gracious Father, we stand here today not because of anything that we have done. We stand here today because of the glorious work of your Son, Jesus Christ, who came into the world and died on the cross for our sins and was resurrected from the grave, securing for us eternal forgiveness, securing for us eternal mercy, eternal grace, and eternal life. We stand here today because it is your spirit that builds your church. Lord, and it is a glorious work. So we consider the power, your power, and the gospel for our salvation in our own personal lives. As we consider the power of the gospel and salvation of those who sit next to us, of those whom we call brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, what a magnificent work. What a glorious, what a miraculous work. You are building your church one person at a time. And you continue to do that work today. As many across the world continue to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and turn to faith in Jesus. Lord, continue the great work that you have begun. Lord, and we pray to that end. We pray for the salvation of the lost. We pray for those who may be here this morning and have yet to turn to Jesus Christ in faith of repentance. Lord, that this might be the day of their salvation. We pray for loved ones. We pray for friends. We pray for those that we have been agonizing for years in prayer that they might come to know the Lord Jesus. Lord, would you bring salvation to the lives of those that we have in our minds even in this moment? Lord, would you continue to spread your gospel for the salvation of the lost? Continue to build your church in this way. Lord, we pray that you may continue to bring more workers into your harvest. We pray that you might graciously multiply the number of workers who are working in the field, Lord, reaping a harvest 
of salvation. We pray for many who may be discerning the call to go and proclaim the gospel to a different, in a different context, in a different culture, in a different country. Help them to discern the call, Lord, and that they might be gravitated by the call, that they might be possessed by the call to lay down their lives for the gospel. Father, we pray for those who are preparing for missions. Lord, would you deepen their roots in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Would you give to them all that they need in preparation for the great work that lies ahead? Would you strengthen them and encourage them Increase in them a greater love for the gospel, an increasing love for the lost, an increasing desire to proclaim the gospel to those who have yet to hear. We pray, God, that the fame of your name may be spread across the world so that there might be more people worshiping Christ Jesus for your great glory and their joy. We pray for the many missionaries right now already engaged in the work. Lord, would you provide your hedge of protection around their lives? Would you protect children? Would you protect marriages as well from the schemes of the evil one? Give them the energy to work heartily unto the Lord. Provide for their every need in Christ Jesus. Give them the boldness to continue to proclaim the gospel, even in the midst of adversity, in the midst of trial and tribulation and even persecution. Lord, help them to continue to proclaim the gospel and to live out the gospel to those around them. Lord, shine your brilliant light through their lives in the midst of a dark world and that many might be captivated, maybe captivated by the gospel light in their lives, drawn to them so that they might know Christ Jesus as Savior. Lord, continue to build your church, your glorious church. Continue to beautify your church, to sanctify your church through the washing of the water of the Word. Your church needs divine assistance. So would you continue your glorious work? Continue your glorious work in our lives, Lord, in our church, for your wonderful purposes and for our own joy. And Father, we also pray this morning for our dear sister Jean. Lord, would you Continue to help her to look and fix her eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of her faith, the great shepherd and overseer of her soul. Would you comfort her, Lord, with your rod and your staff and her family as well? Father, we pray 
for a miracle. We pray that she might recover. We pray, Father, for a removal of the cancer. We pray these things because we know, Lord, that you are the only one who can do this. Father, would you help us to continue to encourage them, to help them, to provide for them, to sustain them. We pray for our sister Karen, Lord, as she continues to, to grieve her husband's passing. Lord, would you continue to encourage her and strengthen her. Lord, steady her steps. We pray, Father, that, that you might cause her to lie down in green pastures. Help many of us, Lord, who still also who will grieve with her because of our brother's passing. Lord, comfort your church. Continue to help us to rejoice in the gospel of our salvation and the eternal blessings that this gospel has secured for us in Christ Jesus. Father, we trust you for all of these things. So, Lord, we come to you this morning and we pray also the prayer that you have taught us to pray in your holy scriptures, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Man, let us turn to the Psalms. We are in Psalm 29 this morning. Psalm 29, verses 1 through 11. The word of the Lord says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord.
Father, we come this morning not to hear the voice of any man. We come not to hear the voice of society or the voice of culture. We come this morning not even to hear the voice of anyone who is here in this sanctuary, but we come primarily to hear the voice of the Lord. Would you speak to us this morning and give to us ears to hear your voice? Would you give me the words to herald your voice and what your word says to us this morning? may do so in a way that is consistent and in harmony with what your word says to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The psalm begins with a kind of call to worship. It says, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, a call to the heavenly hosts to worship the Lord, to come before the presence of God and to give him honor and glory and praise. Three times it says, ascribe to the Lord. To ascribe is to attribute something to a person or to even an object. It's to recognize something that is true about something and to say it as such. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The angels behold the glory and they ascribe to the Lord, attribute to the Lord glory. They see his strength attributing to the Lord strength. They see his majesty and they say, ascribe majesty, ascribe power, ascribe omnipotence, ascribe to the Lord his holiness. And as the psalm calls the heavenly hosts to worship, and then focuses or narrows in on the voice of the Lord seven times. We see in the passage the voice of the Lord. And each time the voice of the Lord is described by something. And the kind of picture that the voice of the Lord and the way that it's described sort of conjures up in the imagination is sort of a kind of a thunderstorm or a hurricane. And when we consider, when we see a thunderstorm at a distance, when we see the dark clouds above, when we see the flashes of lightning strike, when we hear the thunder from miles away, to see or behold a thunderstorm or a hurricane has a way, it, it, it commands attention. We see it from our windows. Even if it's for a short period of time, it captures our attention. We want to see it. We want to see the flashes of lightning. We want to hear the thunder. But the reason why we can be captivated by a thunderstorm is because we're doing so at a distance, in the comfort of our own home, perhaps. The lightning is not near us oftentimes. But if we were to get moved closer and closer and closer to where the thunder 
and the lightning is striking. When we, if we're moving closer to the source of the thunderstorm, then we would, might be terrified. Then we might be fearful. It is a form of worship when we consider the thunderstorm from a distance, when we recognize its immensity, its power, its incomprehensibility, its incontrollable nature. When we consider that this is something far beyond us, something too strong for us. And it leaves you with this kind of fear that you to a kind of respect. You have a respect for this because you know that it is much stronger than you. And you might hide from it. And you might run from it. And you might shelter yourself from it. Because to be too close to it is to also put you in a position of danger. This is one point in the sermon this morning, and that is the hurricane of God's voice. And I think that's the kind of picture that this is described to us as we consider several different aspects of the voice of the Lord. It tells us the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. Immediately we see that the voice of the Lord controls that which is chaotic. The waters, the oceans, that which is uncontrollable, that which man has not been able to harness. The waters that are able to swallow up cities in combination with the right winds in combinations with the right gravitational pull from the moon, the oceans can generate tsunamis, swallowing up ships, decimating cities. And it tells us that the hurricane of the voice of the Lord is over the waters, controlling that which is uncontrollable. And it harkens us back to Genesis chapter 1, where it tells us in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it tells us their description of what things were like. There was void, there was darkness, and it tells us the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. As we continue to see throughout the Scriptures that the same hurricane of the voice of God not only controlled the uncontrollable and created things, but also used those same waters to elevate them and create a massive flood engulfing the entire world the same hurricane of the voice of God also splits the seas. So God's people, after coming away from Egypt, can walk on dry land surrounded by two walls of water. Job 9, verse 8, tells us that God alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea. We might say, or soldiered, on the waves of the sea. The hurricane, the voice of God, creates everything out of nothing, showing the great power of the voice of the Lord. One thunderstorm can generate 1.3 billion volts, enough to power the needs of New York City for 26 minutes. The winds, just the winds alone of an average hurricane, can easily pack some 1.5 trillion watts of power, which is equivalent to about half the world's entire electrical generating capacity for an entire year. Your average hurricane releases enough 
energy to power the world 200 times over. In a word, and certainly David did not have all these facts and all these details, but he understood the immense power of a thunderstorm. And that's how what he uses to describe the voice of the Lord. What else can compare to that kind of power in all the planets? And he says, this is what the voice of the Lord is like. He's not saying that it equals in power, but he's saying, no, it surpasses even the power of a thunderstorm. This voice has the power to create everything out of nothing. That this voice of the Lord is full of majesty. We are ascribing a kind of majesty when we are gazing at a distance, a thunderstorm, like just our attention captured by it. We can't help but look at it. We're drawn to thunderstorms, but not too closely. Right? We want to keep our distance because we don't want to be afraid. A thunderstorm has this kind of mesmerizing effect. And that is how the voice of the Lord is described. And it continues, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. It breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord breaks the strong and rips up the deep-seated. Break is such a violent word, right? You can't break something in a peaceful way. The cedars, the strong trees of Lebanon, the Lord breaks them and snaps them like twigs. Lebanon and Syria, which are situated on mountains, it tells us the hurricane of the voice of the Lord, it causes even the mountains to skip, just like if we were to stand too close to a hurricane, or if lightning happens to strike close to us, generating a powerful thunder, right? we, we skip, we get scared. So is the voice of the Lord so powerful that it even causes that which is immovable to skip in fear. The voice of the Lord, it tells us, flashes forth flames of fire. Or in other words, the voice of the Lord strikes like lightning. The lightning strikes during a thunderstorm. Right, and appears to go at random, strikes at random, but the Lord knows exactly where each lightning bolt strikes. He sets its trajectory. And so similarly with the voice of the Lord, the Lord sent it out. It shoots forth from the heavens. And it always hits its target. Job 37 describes a kind of fear, the kind of majesty that a thunderstorm commands and comparing it to God himself and his voice. Job 37, beginning in verse 1. At this also my heart trembles and leaps out of its place. Keep listening to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. Under the whole heaven he lets it go and heads lightning to the corners of the earth. After it his voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice and he does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth, 
Likewise, to the downpour, his mighty downpour, he seals up the hand of every man that all men whom he made may know it. Then the beasts go into their lairs and remain in their dens. They're afraid. From its chamber comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds. But the breath of God, by the breath of God, ice is given and the broad waters are frozen fast. He loads the thick cloud with moisture. The clouds scatter his lightning. They turn around and around by his guidance to accomplish all that he commands on the face of the habitable world, whether for correction or for his land or for love. He causes it to happen. A typical lightning flash is about 300 million volts and 30,000 amps. A lightning, because air is a poor conductor, heats up the air that lightning, that lightning passes through the air, and in that air, that air can be actually, the degrees of that air can be elevated to even 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is five times hotter than the sun. And to think that the voice of the Lord is much more powerful than the lightning bolts. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Being in a wilderness alone, in the darkness, without any sense of direction, can be a fearful thing. Surrounded by trees, surrounded by darkness, surrounded by large bushes, where anything can lurk and attack at an instant. And this passage tells us that the voice of the Lord causes the things that are frightful to become afraid. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. To be quite honest, I have no idea what to do with that one. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. I honestly chuckled every time I read that passage and I studied it this week. I have no idea what the psalmist intended to communicate by that, so feel free to take that with you and do with it what you will. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth ahead of time, I think is the idea. And the voice of the Lord strips the forest bare like a hurricane that passes through, even uprooting hundred-year-old trees with roots dug deep into the ground. The voice of the Lord is able to pick them all up like nothing and leave everything bare. And to this, all in the temple of the Lord cry out glory as they behold the word that is lightning shoot forth from the mouth of God. They cry out glory. As they hear his thunderous voice from the heavens, they cry out glory. As they see the great power of God displayed in different ways, they cry out glory, glory, glory. And to us here down the earth, we may want to keep 
our distance. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, there Moses speaks to the people of God. And we see here sort of the kind of response the people of God had when God spoke to them from the mountain. There Moses says to the people of God, These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more. And he wrote to them the commandments on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God and speak with man, and man still live. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of fire as we have and has still lived? Go near and hear all that the Lord God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear and do it. And the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people, which they have spoken to me. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always, to fear me and keep all my commandments, that it may go well with them and with their descendants forever. The people of God were terrified as they stood there at the foot of the mountain and hearing the voice of the Lord come thundering from the summit where there was darkness and a fire, they became afraid and they wanted to keep their distance. Moses, you go before the Lord and he can speak to you directly and you can then speak to us. We cannot bear to hear the voice of God thundering from the heavens because it terrifies us. Like the thunderstorm that we witness outside, we want to keep our distance. We don't want to get too close. But as terrifying as the voice of the Lord might be, we also have to keep this in balance. Because the scriptures do not only present us the thunderous and the boisterous voice of the Lord, the terrifying voice of the Lord, but it also presents to us a different voice of God. The God who has this thunderous and this hurricane-like voice it's also the God who speaks in Isaiah 49, 13, saying, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. The God with a hurricane-like voice is also the God who says that he is near to the brokenhearted and that he is near to those who are crushed in spirit. The same God with this thunderous voice is also the God who is described to us as the great shepherd who makes his people to lie down in green pastures and lead them beside still waters and comforts them with his rod and his staff. And when we look to Jesus Christ, we see not to a different voice, 
but we see the balance of the voice of God much more vividly. When we consider the voice of God in the person of Jesus Christ, we see that Jesus does not compete with the voice of God. Jesus never came into the world to clarify the voice of God. Jesus did not come here to play good cop while God was intending to play bad cop. But Jesus speaks only the words of God and in the voice of God, for he is God. John 14, 24, Jesus says, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. In Jesus, we also see the thunderous and the hurricane-like voice when he commands the demons to come out of their hosts and they have no choice but to obey. We see such command and such power when we read of Jesus trampling upon the waters as he makes his way to his disciples who are also sailing on those waters. But we also see in Jesus the gentle voice of the Lord who says to tax collectors and sinners, I'm going to dine with you today. When he says to sinners, take heart, your sins are forgiven. When he says to sinners that I am the bread of heaven who's come down to the world and that if you eat of my flesh, that is, if you believe in me, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. As much as we might be drawn to the hurricanes and thunderstorms, as much as we might be drawn and should be drawn to the hurricane power of God, we should also be drawn to and in awe of the hurricane-like power of God contained in the weakness of human flesh that Jesus adorned himself with. And it's something that I don't think any of us could ever comprehend in this life that such power whatever could ever be contained in such a vessel. It's like trying to contain the power of a hurricane or in a thunderstorm in a small clay vessel. It would just obliterate the vessel. It's not like having a handheld device like an iPhone, which has all this computing power and still able to hold it in your hand. It's nothing like that. When you consider the immensity of God, when you consider the omnipotence of God, and that this power will be contained in a small infant born of a virgin, to which the angels cry out glory, to see and read in the scriptures how this same power is still contained in this weak vessel as he goes about eating and drinking with his disciples and sleeping and taking rest, and yet not be obliterated is unfathomable. To think that this great power contained in such a finite vessel go to the cross and die there on the cross and then rise again three days later from the grave. It's just something that our finite minds can never comprehend. That that power can be in such a weak vessel. And each time, the angels of heaven say glory 
glory, glory. Hebrews 1 verse 1 says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, including today, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He had appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. Again, power in the Son. He is the radiance of the glory of God, an exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the, right, at the right hand of the majesty on high. Again, such power contained in such a weak vessel, still containing the very imprint of the nature of God, still being very much of God. Jesus, in his power as the Son of God, as God himself, did not have to diminish his power, did not have to decrease his power, but still very much maintains his excellent power and somehow put into a, fail, a fair, frail excuse me, human flesh. And even in that human flesh, sustaining the entire universe. Again, without that frailty of human flesh being completely obliterated. That's majesty. That captures the attention. That demands a beholding. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This hurricane king sits enthroned over the chaotic flood of the waters, and he sits enthroned as king forever. And the prayer is that may God, may this God, with his hurricane-like voice, give his people strength and peace. Imagine with me, if you will, it's the end of school, kids are on the bus, getting ready to go home, everybody's on the bus, kids are hanging out, are chatting with one another towards the end of the bus, there's Jimmy. There's Jimmy, he's picking on another kid, teasing him, bullying him. The other kids on the bus notice what's going on, but they don't want to make honest contact because they don't want to become Jimmy's target. And all of a sudden, the kids see coming out of the building the school principal. And suddenly, everybody sits quiet. Shh, the principal's coming. All quiet, everything's hushed. Jimmy has stopped his bullying. Everybody's just seated. Everybody's wondering he's going to come on the bus. He's kind of coming into our bus. He's coming into our bus. He steps up the steps. He's in the bus. He looks out to all the kids, all the seats. Jimmy has his face down. Doesn't want to make eye contact. Hoping, hope you didn't see me. I hope you didn't see me. The principal calls out, Jimmy, come with me. Immediately, Jimmy picks up his bag and gets out of his seat. The principal is walking out, headed towards the building. And the principal does not have to look behind him to make sure that Jimmy is following him. He knows that Jimmy is following him. 
the principle carries about him this, this gravitas, this kind of weightiness, this heavy presence that whenever he steps into a room, it demands a kind of attention. And his presence there on the bus generates two different feelings or two different experiences. One is a fear. Fear towards who? Fear towards those who should be afraid. In this case, Jimmy. But his presence also generates a different, very kind of a polar opposite feeling, and that is a feeling of comfort. How so, or for whom? His presence generates comfort for everyone else on the bus. Generates comfort for the little for the kid who was being bullied by Jimmy. Comfort for the rest of the bus, knowing, oh, there's stability, there's peace. We don't have to worry because the principle is here. The voice of God as it thunders from heaven strikes fear into the hearts of men. That is fear into those who should be afraid. But for those who have no reason to be afraid, it is a voice of comfort. It is a voice of safety. It is a voice of refuge. Because they know that when God speaks, they know that everything is going to be all right. The thunderous voice of the Lord provides peace, this inward rest that even if everything outside is chaotic, even if there are these other storms happening in the world, there is this inward peace. There is this inward strength. What is this strength for? The strength to remain near him. Even though he has this thunderous-like voice, the prayer is that we might be strengthened to continue to draw near to him because closeness to him is what also provides refuge for his people. And the closer that we draw near to the Lord, the more that we are filled with peace. Several years ago, Rachel Smith immediately gathered her children and went into hiding into the closet of her bedroom as a tornado came through the town. And as they were huddled up in there, they were just praying and praying and praying. All they could hear was all this destruction and all this chaos outside, all this loud noises. They knew that the hurricane, that the tornado had come and had come over their house and they are praying and begging to God that they might be spared. And then suddenly, silence. So she opens the door, looks out, destruction everywhere. But everything is calm. And she discovers that everything had been destroyed by the tornado, save the walls that refuged her and her children. The Lord's precious saints are always refuged by the hands of the Almighty. They have in God that safe space, they have that closet that will always remain unscathed no matter what storms lie outside. Whether it is the storm of anxiety, 
whether you might be fearful of the unknown or the unexpected, whether you might be fearful of another person, whether you might be fearful of an illness, whether you might be fearful of death. The hurricane voice of the Lord puts every other fear into perspective. When we look at all the other fears that we might be filled with in this life and that you might even be filled with right now and look at those fears in light of the hurricane voice of the Lord, it puts those other fears into a different light because you know that the voice of the Lord contains within itself greater power than anything else, than any other kind of fear or anxiety or tribulation or distress that you might experience. you're here and you have yet to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and you walk about each day without any kind of fear or dread for your own life dread or fear that you have many days ahead if you do not live in any kind of fear or dread that your life might be taken away from you at any moment at any time in any location then you walk about with a false sense of peace. And I'm not sure where that false sense of peace is coming from, but you walk about with a false sense of peace. You may think that everything is relatively stable and peaceful and without distress, but really what you are in is just in the eye of the storm, where everything might be fine, but you are surrounded But the destructive forces of the hurricane, each day that you live, the hurricane is inching closer and closer and closer. Until one day you do experience the hurricane of the judgment and wrath of God for your sins. The only way that you can be sheltered from that storm is by trusting in Christ Jesus as your Savior, believing in Him as your God, giving your life to Him and trusting your life to Him into His precious hands because only He can protect you from the judgment that is coming on account of sin. Dear believers, take heart. Jesus says in John sixteen thirty three. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In him you have peace. In the world you may have tribulation. In the world you may have these smaller storms that come about your life, causing you to shake, causing you to fear, causing you to be anxious and worrisome. But in Jesus you always have with you this peace, this steadying presence. You have it with you because Jesus took on the world and he came out victorious. He has conquered the smaller storms of the world so that you and I can have peace today. This summer we've been there's been there's been a lot going on. A lot of things have happened. 
had brothers and sisters going through difficult seasons, difficult challenges. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you might now be going through particular challenges or trials in your life. And all of these things have a way of making us want to, want, making us want to sort of distance ourselves from the Lord. But the Lord is calling out to us with his voice and saying, do not be drawn away, but draw near. With every storm that you might experience, draw that much closer. Get closer to the Lord. Or pursue him. He intends to be your haven, your refuge, your place of safety if you will only continue to draw near to his presence. And we can do so because we are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, not only are we called to draw near to the presence of God, but we're also invited to draw near his presence. It's been a lot, as I said, going on. And some of us, to some degree or other, are grieving for dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are grieving for those with difficult seasons. We grieve with our sister Karen. We grieve with the Smiths as well, and perhaps others. There's been a lot going on. For some of you, if you're like me, you're probably sort of wanting to sort of put your hands in the air and say, Lord, what in the world is going on? The Lord means to continue to be our shelter and to protect us and to keep us and to steady our steps even as we go through hard things and even as we walk with friends through hard things. To kind of preview, I mean, next week we're set to finish working through the book of Psalms for this year, and we're ending with thir- chapter 30. Which I think is quite fitting. In Psalm 30, verse 5, it says, Therefore, his anger is but for a moment, and his favors for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. There may be grieving. There is grieving, and we don't know how long the grieving is, how long does the night endure, but the, the assurance is that joy is coming. The joy always comes with the morning. And that promise always rests for those who are in Christ Jesus, who continue to find their shelter and their refuge in the Lord Jesus. For us, we have nothing to fear when we hear the voice of God, because we belong to Him. We are His and He is ours. He is our safety, He is our strength. So the call is, with every storm that you face in this life, 
draw near to Him that much more. Draw near to Him who helps us to weather all the storms in life. Let's pray. Father, we Father, we desire to draw near to you. Lord, your presence is full of power, is full of majesty. There are things that we cannot comprehend or understand. There are things about you that are too magnificent for us and these things might cause us to keep our distance. We have a natural fear towards things that are unknown to us. But Lord, you are not unknown. You have revealed yourself to us through your divinely inspired word. And we also see you as we we see the person of Jesus Christ. The one who has within him this commanding presence and at the same time says to us to take his yoke for it is easy and it is light. Lord, help us to continue to draw near to you. Help us to not allow anything that we might experience, no trials or challenges to come between us, to distance us from you. But help us to continue to approach you with reverence, but also with joy. Give us ears to continue to hear your voice. Give us the mind to continue to understand what you have said in your word. Help us in these ways. Continue to comfort your people and give us courage, Lord, in the midst of fear and anxiety and trials and even in grief. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Let's stand. Response Response to today's message. Today's word, um, let's worship together, singing, How Great Thou Art. Let's sing on to the Lord. Amen.
Let's pray. Father, may we be in awe as we look towards the heavens and attempt to fully understand your majesty, the majesty of God. May we, Lord, be drawn close to you in a reverent fear. And that in that reverent fear, God, even in the midst of that fear, that we may find peace. Open our ears, God, to hear your voice. May we pursue, Lord, your presence in being drawn to your word and being comforted by your voice. So, God, lead us. Lead us to your feet, Father, as we find shelter in your strength. in your arms and peace Lord in the midst of trials and chaos how great thou art worthy of our praise Father in Jesus name Amen the word of God says 1 Timothy 1.17 To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen, church. God bless you. Amen. You're dismissed.